Hey, thanks for tuning into The Way, our Wednesday night service. This week, we'll hear a message from Pastor Andy Bowles. I have asked two people to, to, to bring some French fries from McDonald's to me tonight. These two people did not know that I was asking the other person. As a matter of fact, I'm not 100% sure that they even know who they are uh, even at this point. But, but I've asked these people, they're so gracious and so kind and so sacrificing. And so they decided they would do what their crazy pastor asked them to do. And, and so they went by McDonald's and they grabbed a, a fry. Now, there's a little bit of a difference in the French fries. I want to make sure that I, I get these, put them out. This is, this is a medium fry. Everybody see that? By the way, who likes some McDonald's French fries? What? I mean, all these are is packing peanuts that they heated up in peanut oil. I'm kidding. They're really good. <laughs> we are, I'm going to make sure I get all the fries out. We are studying in the way the life of the disciples. And as we study the life of the disciples, we're going to look at a, a disciple, really there's not just a whole lot in scripture about this particular disciple. And, and this disciple is known for kind of something a little bit funny, hilarious, if you want to look at it that way. James is the disciple. And there was two disciples named James. One was James the Greater and one's James the Lesser. And so James the Lesser, man, how would you like to be known as, as, as you the, the, the less? It's, it's really a reference to his size. One James was bigger than the other James, and it was just kind of the way they decided to, to define each other in the, in the context of, the, of, of being disciples. But, but James the Lesser, and as we were studying through this, and as me and Eli and Greg, we, we meet together every Monday morning, and we're talking about the messages that are coming up, and, and we were thinking about James the Lesser, and, and I actually saw a video on YouTube in my spare time. I watch YouTube. I don't watch just a whole lot of television, and so hopefully you won't judge me for that. But uh, on a YouTube channel that I was watching, they said, uh, again, I hope this, this works, they said that there is no difference in the amount of fries between the small fry and the medium fries. The only difference is the packaging in which you get your French fries. You get a cardboard box for your medium fries. You get a small paper bag for your small fries. But, but they say there's really no difference. And so this is what I want us to do. I'm going to take the, the medium fry. I, I, I went to McDonald's earlier myself, and I bought these, and they're gone. So I've got some empty boxes, and I'm just going to, I'm going to put that in here, medium fry to a medium fry. But then I'm going to, man, I hope this works. And then I'm going to take the small fry and I'm going to place it in the medium fry box. And it's pretty doggone close, isn't it? Somebody be a volunteer to come up here. Doesn't matter. Somebody young. If you feel young. If you thought last night, hey, I'm young. So, come on, Joy. How close do you think that is? I think there's two more in that one. Two more in the medium than the small. All right, now, those of you who brought these, did you eat any of them out of the bags? No. They said, no, we didn't. That's right. So it's, it's, it, it, it looks pretty, pretty equal, right? I mean, who, who wants some French fries tonight? Come and get it, bro. Come and get it, bro. 
Yeah, they're going to get up for the free. It's gone, my man. I'm sorry. I didn't see you. Done. Maybe they'll, maybe they'll save them. Save you one or two. <laughs> they're going to call you out, Craig. You say, Andy, why in the world would, would you try to? It's okay, brother. Go ahead and do that. Why, why in the world would you, would you use that as an illustration when we're thinking tonight about James the Lesser? Because the subtitle to the message, as we look at James's life, James the Lesser, we, we're going to see tonight that sometimes less is more. Less is more than what you expected it to be. How many of you guys from now on, when you go to McDonald's, you're not going to get the medium fry. You're going to go from the jump from the medium to the large fry, um, uh, uh, the, the small to the, to the large fry, and you're just not even going to worry about the medium fry ever again, right? Just the, yeah, the small, I'm going to either get the small or I'm going to get the large. I'm not going to get the medium. The medium's done for me, right? Because what I've realized is, hmm, sometimes less is more when you're talking about McDonald's fries. And so, as this month, as we study James the Lesser, we're going to see how in the life of James, and we know very little about James the Lesser, we're going to see how we can learn some very impactful messages about the life of James the Lesser. And there's going to be three very important lessons, and we'll kick that off tonight. The first one, obviously, is sometimes less is more when less is better. Sometimes less is more when, when less is better. The second lesson we're going to learn is less than does not mean that you're not more than a conqueror. You, you think about all of the Old Testament characters that seem to be somewhat insignificant. David was not significant enough in his father's house to call him from watching the sheep, to stand before the prophet. He could have been the next king of Israel, and he was the next king of Israel. Gideon was the least of the least of the least of the least of the least. He was the least of all the world in his own opinion, and yet God chose him. And so, less than does not mean that you're not also more than as a conqueror, and we see that in the life of James the Lesser as well. And then we'll wrap up this study as we take communion on the last Wednesday night of the month. You can be obscure and still be satisfied. Sometimes we, we, we don't think that to be true, and I'm not going to preach that message in advance, but, but sometimes we think that, that we can be satisfied if we're obscure, that we've got to be out front, notice, pat it on the back, all these kind of things. We've got to be rewarded and recognized and and you don't have to be. You can be a silent player on the team and still make the same impact as the one that's names called just the most. And so tonight, the way we're going to start this series of messages with James the Lesser, sometimes less is more when, uh, when, when more is better, we're, we're actually going to take up the words of John the Baptist. So if you got your Bibles, turn with me real quick to John, the Gospel of John in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. John's the fourth and the final Gospel record. And so right after that, we go into the book of Acts and then from Acts to Romans. And here in John chapter 3, most of us remember at least that address for one particular verse, which is John chapter 3, verse 16. In John chapter 3, verse 16, we see where Jesus is witnessing to Nicodemus. And in his witness to Nicodemus, he reminds Nicodemus that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, who is Jesus, God in flesh, who came to the world, lived a sinless life, died on the cross, was buried and rose from the dead. He's preaching the gospel to Nicodemus, who was a religious ruler of that day. Well, in the conclusion of that conversation, on the backside of John chapter 3, there are some other things that is going on. And so there is the 
forerunner of Jesus. Forerunner just simply means the one that God had prophesied about in the Old Testament, in particular in the book of Isaiah, about the one who had come and make the way, prepare the hearts of Israel to hear the message from the Messiah, who is Jesus. John the Baptist was that guy who was a little bit standoffish, a little bit weird. I mean, he's out in the desert. He's wearing camel's hair for clothes, a leather belt. Uh, he's eating locusts and honey, and he's preaching a message that, if you, if you listen to it long enough, at some point or another, you're going to get offended. It's just John the Baptist. He's preaching. and he, I mean, he's telling people as they come, you're a sinner, you're a sinner, you're a sinner, you're a sinner, you're a sinner. And because you're a sinner, you better get right because the Messiah is coming. And when the Messiah comes, you're going to have to fall on one side or the other. And you can't living in your sin. You need to repent of your sin and be baptized. And so John the Baptist's message was repent and be baptized. And he was baptizing people in the River Jordan. Jesus comes and his message is repent and believe. So John, he is literally preparing the way. There was a group of Pharisees, religious leaders, who showed up in Matthew chapter 3 to John the Baptist. He's baptizing outside of the River Jordan. And, and they come and they're saying, hey, we want you to baptize us as well. And they're kind of doing to him what... They did to Jesus, kind of provoking him a little bit there. And John the Baptist says, no, 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 I won't baptize you. This is verse 8 of Matthew chapter 3. Unless you show me that you really mean that your heart is truly broken over your sin, that you're ready to receive the Messiah, Jesus. And so this, this is that John the Baptist. Now, forgive us as we get into this series of messages for this month because there is not a whole lot of record on James the less as far as what he did, what he said. There's only about five different passages of scripture verses in the gospel that reference to James the less. And most of the time when it references James the less, it's just saying James the less was a disciple of Jesus. Now you might say to yourself, well, he just didn't seem like he had a whole lot of impact in the gospel. Is your name one of the 12 that's recorded in the Bible and it's been there for 2,000 years. Yeah, we're not, right? And so it was very significant that he was there, but it's very short in what we know about him. So in all reality, James the Lesser seemed like there was a lot less that we know about him. So it's very appropriate. But I believe James the Less, if he was going to be a follower of Jesus, Learn the lesson that John the Baptist preached. When John the Baptist's disciples come to him and they're talking to him about Jesus the Messiah, you remember earlier in chapter 1 of John, Jesus shows up and, and John says, Behold the Lamb of God who's come to take away the sin of the world. And Andrew and Philip and Nathaniel, they all begin to follow Jesus and people are now questioning the authority of John the Baptist. John, why are you allowing your disciples to leave you and follow Jesus? Let me just tell you guys this real quick. If Jesus decided in the year 2022 to, to plant a church in forest, I'm going to that church. You know what I'm saying? To, to kind of to rationale how that fleshes out. I mean, we're all going to go to Jesus' church, right? And so John's not heard over it because John understands the plan. And so in the middle of all of that conversation about what's going on, he says this. 
about Jesus, he, Jesus, must increase. But I, I must decrease. It's a real simple statement. It's nothing necessarily profound about it. John, you're losing your crowd. John, you don't have the popularity that you, 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 you should have. John, all of a sudden, John, you're becoming lesser in the standards of the world, in the, in the plan of, of group functionality. There's not as many people following you now, but, but John understood the ultimate plan just as James the lesser understood the plan when he signed on, was called by Jesus and began to follow Jesus. He understood in that moment that it was not going to be about him anymore. And this is what happens when we surrender our lives to Jesus. I don't know about you, but I spent a good, healthy portion of 15 years before I got saved, making sure everything was about me. But when I got saved, I understood there was one who deserved credit far greater than me. Now, I'm not going to stand up here and act like I'm perfect. There's a lot of times to where I'm trying to rob away the spotlight from Jesus. Therefore, the, the ruler that measures my motive has to be a statement like this. In that conversation, was Jesus increased and was I decreased? In that relationship, was Jesus increased and was I decreased? In that business deal, was Jesus increased and was I decreased? In that working effort, was Jesus increased and was I decreased? As I finish out my time in this grade at school, was Jesus increased and was I decreased? See, when John the Baptist says this, I mean, it's some, it's some pretty intense words here. I, I love to read people in the Bible who make such absolute statements. There's just not a whole lot of people out there nowadays that, that make absolute statements. Why? Because we want to, to, to make sure that we don't put ourselves in a pigeonhole, right? Well, we want to make sure that we've got some kind of way out of, of certain commitments and, and we're not real firm with making strongly worded statements. We want to say things like, well, it's all relative. And no doubt there are things that are relative in the world, but not all things. There are absolutes. And so John the Baptist, he says, he can increase and I might decrease. Who's taking a nap so far? He, it would be really cool if Jesus would increase and it would be kind of kind of bad on my part, but I know I've got to. I I I gotta in a in a in a grieving way, in a depressed way, in a burdensome way. I gotta decrease. No, no. This, this is what he says in, in in terms of absoluteness, knowing, because this is what John the Baptist is expressing. This is what any follower of Jesus would have to express is the knowledge in following him that, yeah, it's not about you, but it's so much not about you that it's going to have to be more and more and more and more and more every day about him. He must increase. The Amplified defines that word increase by be enlarged, grow in prominence. But I, John says, 
must decrease. It must be made lower. Quite literally, the word decrease meaning lesser now. And so we study the life as much as we can of James the lesser. And so if less is more within the Christ walk, how can that be and how does it seem like it fleshes itself out? If less is more. Now, I would have never in a million years thought that the small McDonald's French fry would fit as it did in the medium McDonald French fry box. And Joy has already told us there was only two missing. I would have never in a million years, I would have said, well, that's small and I'm a big guy. I don't want small, I want medium. Surely there's more in the medium and of course there's more in the large and then there's the super duper extra big large, which is usually what I go for. But even in this, we see that if less is more within the Christ walk, this following of Jesus, this is the way in which we live. How does that look? How did it look in the life of John the Baptist? How does it look in the life of James the less? Well, first of all, less of me obviously means that there can be more of Jesus. And that really should be the ultimate plan anyway, right? There, there's a whole lot of Andy in Andy. I don't know if... I don't know if you experienced this. You, you mean to tell you how much of Jesus is in you and how much of you are in you? Get into a situation to where you're tempted to be mad. Get into a situation to where you feel like you've been shortened, left out. Find a place to where somebody talks bad about you. And then you'll find out how much of you's in you and how much of Jesus is in you. Less of me means more of Jesus and just like this cup, if this cup is absolutely full of something, I can't pour anything else in it. That means I've got to find a place of emptying some of me so that there can be more of him inside of me. And so if less is more, then it's got to be more of something better. And the fact of the matter is, I can't stand no more of me. I got to have something other than me and me. How can greater is he that is in you be unless there's more of him than me? How can I be more than a conqueror if, if I'm more of me than Jesus is in me? It's, it's got to be some emptying of me so that there can be some filling in me of him. How in the world can I, according to Ephesians chapter 5 verse 18, it says be not filled with wine, but it said be filled with the spirit. It's actually perfect verbiage when it uses the word be. It means to be being filled, to be being filled. It's a continuation of being filled. How can I, how can I keep being filled if I'm already full? You're sitting at the table at the restaurant. The waitress walks past your table. There's four people there. There's two cups that are half empty and there's two cups that are all the way full. The waitress doesn't look at the people who's got a full cup and say, can I give you some more? What an ignorant thing to do. No, she's not going to say, let me just fill your, your cup's already full. She looks to the one who's got half drink or nothing in it. And says, let me refresh your cup. Let me pour some more in there. Let me give you some more, right? You see, the reason it's so hard for us 
to empty ourself is because emptying ourself is really a self-denial. <laughs> it's hard. It's not easy. That's okay, though. We, we choose to do the hard things, right? That's who we are. We choose to do the hard things. Don't expect because you're a follower of Jesus, everything is supposed to be easier. Yes, my worst day now is better than my best day then. That is absolutely a true fact statement. But it's not easy. It's not meant to always be easy. So it's okay for me to deny self. Because denying self gives room for Jesus to come in. Galatians chapter 2 verse 20. I'm going to throw out a couple of very powerful, well-known Bible verses for you to think about. Paul says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Paul is saying, you know what? I may be the one that is, has this flesh body on this planet in this moment of human history, and I'm going about doing these things. But in all reality, when I said yes to Jesus on the road to Damascus in Acts chapter 9, all of a sudden I surrendered all of me to Jesus, and I'm learning every day how to empty me self-denial so that Jesus can fill me up, yet not I but Christ who lives inside of me. Jesus says in John, or excuse me, in Luke chapter 9 verse 23, and he said unto them all, if any man will come after me, let him tell himself no about the things that his sinful flesh is craving and take up his cross daily and follow me. Let him learn the godly principle of saying no. You see, emptying is to deny, to deny yourself. And James the less, more than likely, again, it was a reference to his size, but, but the spirit obviously made it more of Jesus than he did of James. The second thought we get from this lesson is less of worldliness means more of Jesus' kingdom. I like what's next here in verse 31 of John chapter 3. John the Baptist, he's not finished talking here, but, but he says, He that cometh from above is above all. He that is of the earth is earthly and speaketh of the earth. He that cometh from heaven is above all. What, what, what in the world is he saying? Again, there's different translations that you have. It may explain it a little bit smoother to you than, than what this translation does. But he's referring to an individual first and foremost. I think sometimes we get caught up with words and we forget to look beyond words we may not understand to look to a person who can help us understand all the words. He, Jesus, that cometh from above is above all. There is absolutely nothing that is above Jesus. There is nothing beyond Jesus. There is nothing uh, preeminent before Jesus. Jesus has absolute priority in all things. He was there in the beginning creating all things, and he will be there in the end. If you'll notice, he is in the first chapter, and he is in the last chapter, and he is in every chapter in between. He that is of the earth is earthly. That's me. Now, I pointed out this particular verse because it flows with the passage. I want you to understand there is a distinction between earthly and worldly. Earthly meaning we think about things of the earth that pertain to our needs an awful lot. Some of you guys are already thinking right now, hmm, 
I'm going to put that bed on level number three when I get home. I'm going to crawl up under them blankets. It ain't going to take me no time. I'm going to be out. You need sleep, right? You need rest. It's, it's, it's good for your body. Your body needs rest. Our bodies need the balance of work and rest. It's completely okay. We need to eat. Are them fries gone, bro? He's gone. Not just the fries. It's all good, my man. Like them fries. <laughs> so, you know what McDonald's fries do now. <laughs> Put him out. We need to eat, right? And so we, we know that there is a pursuit in our life to make sure there's food that we can eat. And, and, and we live in a place to where there's plentiful food, at least right now. I mean, we got plenty to eat. We, we, we need money to pay our bills. And so things of the earth, these earthly things that, that are necessary for our living, it's a little bit different there as opposed to 1 John chapter 2, verse 15 through 17, where John is saying again, the same one who recorded this by Holy Spirit inspiration is recording another letter. He says, love not the world, a worldliness, not an earthliness, a worldliness. Neither the things that are in the world, if any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is of the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And then here's the tag it really is a warning, and the world passes away in the lust thereof, the desire. He that does the will of the Father or God will abide forever. The, the earth, things you need, things that pertain to surviving in life is obvious and necessary, but this is the fact that he that is from above knows all things and has all of that covered in his own realm and in his own way. But we that are earthly, we sometimes panic when ends don't meet and we don't have the, the, the necessary things to survive and, and we think about those things. Sometimes those things consume us, but it doesn't consume him because he's above all. He's got a 30,000 foot view of it when we've got a nose to the painting view of it. And that's the reason we find ourselves oftentimes panic. That's earthly things. But this is the problem more than it's not. Not that we're concerned about having food, but getting more than we need food. What did Jesus teach us to pray? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. You see, when it's a pursuit to get all we can, can all we get and sit on the lid, whenever there is a worldly appetite inside of us, if we go back to that verse 16, it breaks down temptation in at least three channels that all of us will face. Adam and Eve did in the garden. Jesus did in the temptation of Satan. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, it's not of the Father. It's of the world. It's the worldly desire and appetite. And so... When we go back to that thought of less of me and more of Jesus, we talk about self-denial, and this is a part of that idea of self-denial, denying, denying the worldly temptation and lust of the things of the world that we think for some reason is going to give us 
what we want, and when we get it, we'll realize we really didn't want it. I never forget me and my dad one time. We were sitting on the front porch in town in McGee, and uh, so we, we was just watching cars pass down the road, and some old stray dog run up, and it was hunkering down on the curb of the street. And every time a car would ride by, it would chase after that car, and it wouldn't catch the car, but man, it would get real close, and then it would circle back around and hunker down again. It was a game for him, and my dad looked over at me. And he said, boy, if he ever catches that thing, he's going to wish he would let it, let it go. That's the way we are chasing the world. When we chase after the world, when we get the world, we're going to realize we really didn't want the world. Right? And so if there is in us less hate, there can be more love. If there's less selfishness, there can be more selflessness. If there's less greed, then there can be more giving. If there's less hurting, there can be more helping. If there's less world, then there can be more kingdom of God. And to, serve, to learn the lesson of at least James the Lesser's life is to have less of worldliness and less of me and less of my fame so that there can be more of Jesus' fame. Let me tell you guys, I want you to go to Tinseltown sometime, pick out whatever movie you want to, go up to the box office. Whenever you get to the box office, don't worry about any money. Just say my name and see what happens. Now, okay, y'all don't do that. Because my name won't get you into the movies. But Jesus' name, right? I'm not telling you to go to Tinseltown and say, Jesus has paid my ticket. But what I am saying is, is if you repent of your sins and put your faith in Jesus, the name of Jesus can carry you places no other name can, especially yours. If yours is the desire that your name be famed and Jesus' name be in the back stage, it's not going to work out. Jesus has to be in the forefront. There's power in his name. Acts chapter 4 verse 12. Here, here are the apostles as they're rebuked by the, the Sanhedrin, the religious leaders of the day, and they say, don't you go out and preach the name of Jesus anymore. And this is what the apostle said. Neither is there salvation in any other. For there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. <laughs> Jesus' name will get you places no other name will get. Why? Because Jesus' name should be famed greater than our name should be famed. Acts chapter 3 verse 6 chapter just before this and then Peter says here's Peter and John they're going to the temple they're going to they're going to preach the gospel do all these things they they walk by this gate there's a person sitting at the gate and, and they're needy they they can't walk they're lame they're they're begging for for alms or or for benevolence or charity and and here's here's two broke preachers walking into the temple sir can we have something Peter says silver and gold have I none but such as I have, I give, I give thee in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. You see, the name of Jesus can do a whole lot more than your name can. The, the, the name of Jesus should be famed beyond what our name is famed. Let, let me just ask this question real quick. We're talking about James the Less. I know that John the Baptist is kind of the key figure in a lot of this message. Just because of the lacks of, uh, of information uh, from James the Less. But who, who knew this simple fact about James the Less? 
it is told that James the Less was stoned to death after being pushed off of the highest point of the temple. And as he hits the ground, he breaks both legs. He's still alive laying there. And the religious leaders of the city came and they just stoned him to death because he wouldn't die falling off the top of the temple. How many knew that? It's okay if you did. Look around. Maybe one or two knew that. Jesus was betrayed in the garden, mocked through trial, nailed to the cross. And on the cross, he said, Father, forgive them for they knew not what they do. He said, it is finished. He bowed his head. He gave up the ghost and he died on the cross. How many knew that? <laughs> Just about everybody in the room raises their hand. How do you know that and not that about James? Because the point of James's life was not to make his name fame. He didn't go around preaching his gospel, but instead he went around preaching Jesus' gospel. So what about you? Do you have to be recognized? Do you have to be patted on the back? Does it have to be about you? Say, Andy, you just don't know my personality. Trust me. Alpha male, A-type, loud mouth. Right here. Trust me, I know. But it ain't got to be about us. Because in the end, if it's been about me, then what do I have to offer in the stewardship of my life to him? Man, I want it to be more about Jesus and less about Andy. I need it to be.